It's Vancouver's podcast on the Canada's Podcast Network. Hello, this is Robert Smigel coming to today with VancouverEntrepreneur.ca, where we talk to the entrepreneurs who are making it happen here in British Columbia. Pavel Baines is a CEO of Bluezell, the decentralized database for the new internet. He is an expert in digital media, having worked with Disney, Microsoft, Warner Brothers, and DreamWorks. Pavel is also a frequent contributor to Forbes, Huntington Post, and Fast Company, writing articles in the areas of finance and digital media. In less than one year, he led Bluezell to doing projects with the world's biggest banks, to being named technology pioneer by the World Economic Forum, to becoming one of the most influential blockchain projects in the world. Well, Pavel, welcome to the show. Thanks for taking the time today to be here for all our listeners. Hey, I'm glad to be here, Robert. Great. Okay, I want you to tell us a little bit more about yourself, where you're from, and give us the details on your current business. So I am from Vancouver, born and raised. I spent uh, one year in Los Angeles where I went to UCLA. Uh, I ran on the track and field team over there and then moved back to Vancouver, uh, finished up uh, uh, in SFU and basically been there my whole life until two years ago when uh, we decided to move in operations of our business to Singapore to target uh, Asia. Okay. And tell me a little bit more about what you guys do. No, well, Bluezell is, uh, well, the easiest way to describe it is we're the next generation version of Oracle. So everybody knows Oracle from, you know, providing databases uh, for companies to use, you know, from small companies that are usually enterprise level ones. What uh, we believe in is that blockchain technologies are going to influence the way the next generation of how the internet works. And what we believe in, it'll be a decentralized internet where it'll be more safer, more secure, more scalable. And you don't have everything in the control of a few parties such as Amazon, Google, and Facebook. And so when you're creating this new decentralized internet, you got to recreate the infrastructure. And one of the parts is the database layer. When products are made, where should those data, where should the data be stored and managed? And what Bluezell's role is to be the next, like I said, the next version of the Oracle, but for the decentralized internet. Okay. Now, did you need financing to start your company? And how do you currently make money in your business now? So we did a, we, when we first moved, got going, we bootstrapped it for about a year and a half. My CTO and I, we just said, I don't want to raise any money, him either, until we said, we kind of figure out what we got going and we're in a good position. And then when uh, we set up the operation in Singapore, a seed VC uh, invested money in us. Uh, half a million dollars to get everything going and then last that was in mid, early 2016 and then in um, july 2017 we raised another one and a half million dollars from um, the same vc and another ones from china and japan some big ones and then after that we did what's called in the blockchain cryptocurrency world uh, an ico initial coin offering where it's basically kickstarter for cryptocurrencies, and we raised another $20 million. 
Okay. Well, you're in Singapore right now, so this question is got a little uh, different twist here. But what is the long-term vision, and what will your company look like in the future? Do you see the company expanding into other areas and where beyond Vancouver, BC, or even Canada? So, you being in Singapore, obviously you've branched out there, but do you still have offices in Vancouver? Yes, we have uh, our. Uh, we've got nine people working out of Vancouver, mainly our engineers and our tech technology team. So Vancouver's got great talent for that, always believed in it, um, you know, it's well-educated. Um, the people, you know, like I said, they're just very talented from the companies they've worked with from Vancouver, from the video game companies to, you know, Microsoft, uh, even some of the homegrown Vancouver technology companies. So that's really good. Uh, we see ourselves opening up offices actually globally because, like I said, where are the products decentralized, the how the world's moving and the technology people working on this, they all work in different areas. So we are targeting other parts of Asia to look at uh, open uh, offices, uh, potentially Taipei. That could be, that's a good talent pool there. Uh, we've been there a couple of times. And then, you know, potentially maybe even in Europe, such as like Berlin is trying to come up as a nice hub as well. Okay, so let's talk a little bit. We've learned a little bit about you and we've learned a lot about your company, but we want to talk a little bit more about Vancouver now. What are the biggest benefits for you in being an entrepreneur in Vancouver, BC? I want you to give us some of the good points about starting a company here, but I also want you to give us some of the tough things or challenges for our listeners so they can keep an eye out for them. Uh, I think that one of the good things is, like I said, the talent level is really good in Vancouver. Um, our universities educate people really well if you go there, uh, whether you go to you know, SFU, UBC, Queens, they're all top-notch universities. And I can say this because I went to one of the top-notch universities in the U.S., uh, UCLA, which is just under Ivy League. So, our, so we've got that talent pool, which is good. Um, I think just a little spin. Uh, uh, but with that, we have that high talent pool, but I don't think people aim high enough in Vancouver, given the level of brain power and talent. And uh, so, you know, that's kind of, I think, people with that kind of smarts, they could be being bigger visionaries on a global scale. Um, so talent is one. I think uh, lifestyle um, is good that you can, like if you're an entrepreneur and, you know, you, and you work in different hours or you're building a new company, you've got, you know, people have the ability to take off during the day to do something more, you know, exercise, get a workout in, go for a walk in a nice area and then come back to the office. So I think it gives that nice kind of vibe uh, for a company to have some of that flexibility and freedom. And I think, in general, the Vancouver, some of the people you meet, very positive energies that you can connect to people good. Uh, you know, they're willing to open up doors and introduce you to others. And, yeah, if you put yourself out there, Vancouver, like the PC Tech Association, uh, they did really good for us. Like when we were starting this company, um, Bill Tam, he said, hey, you know, there's a trip. He found out that there's a group going out to Canada, sending a trade mission out to Singapore and Malaysia for Asia. Uh, we were, he suggested us to go. We were the only startup selected in the eight companies that went. And this was just like six months after we were starting. And he helped us get into that. And that allowed us exposure to Asia and everywhere else and got us really going. So I think if you get into the right community and people, people are willing to really help you out and, uh, you know, get you off on the right track. Now the tough things. Um, the tough things, like I said, it would be that, if you are a visionary and you want to do something big, it's not really fostered or 
people don't really believe in it in Vancouver as much as when you compare to other cities where people are like, just go all in and go for it. That's why Silicon Valley is Silicon Valley. That's why China went as hard as they went over the last 20 years and the rest of Asia is. You have to have some of that cowboy mentality and just go all out. Uh, Vancouver heavily lacks that. That's why you're getting some of the brain, brain, uh, you know, brain drain. completion where people are leaving. Yeah, yeah, the brain drain, sorry. Uh, that would be, then that leads to, because of that's not there, then it has, you know, you don't have that access to capital uh, as much as these other cities, such as in Asia and, um, you know, the U.S. And then I think the other one is... The other tough one would be is I think that the exposure to bigger companies on a global scale, because we don't have as many big companies in Canada anymore. They all kind of moved out. Vancouver has just become kind of a lifestyle place. Most of those companies are in Toronto. So you don't have some of that inspirational, aspirational things to look at and have people around that. Okay, I want to be like those guys. Like if you go to other cities, even in Singapore, you know, Google's got a big office even now. LinkedIn. Uh, Uber, and then that spawns other ones. So you just have a better, it just builds that better kind of entrepreneurism spirit of next level thinking. Now we do some of our best work outside the office. Is there a place in the lower mainland when you're there close to where you live or work, where you like to go recharge or get inspired to just think about your business? And does it change with the season considering all the rain we get here? I would, so I used to live in New West and we still have our place there is I would go to the New West Key right by the water. I like the feel of New West, specifically by that water, because it looks like it's outside of Gastown. That's the only place that looks like that, that has that old Vancouver feel, which is really nice. And because you're right on the Fraser River and they redid the, the New West Key that you can sit there, relax, do some work. So that's always, that's where I go to. Um, for me, I think the rain can beat on you when it's, you know, when it's just dark and gray all the time. But if you find the right spot, like right near the water, big windows, it's still it's still nice to go up there and recharge a bit. Okay. So it didn't make yeah. that much of a difference. I would still go there even if it's really wet and raining outside. Okay, we have a lot of international listeners. So this next question, I want you to speak to them. If you were to start all over again and you just moved here to Vancouver, BC, but this time you don't know anyone, knowing what you know now, what would you do and how would you go about starting all over again as an entrepreneur? Well, I don't count entrepreneur myself as an entrepreneur in the sense of entrepreneurism in my career. Um, I just do things that I'm passionate about. So my thing would be is if somebody moved to Vancouver, whatever they're passionate about, like I said, whether it's I know, graphic design, I know, automotive or high technology, I would get I would probably just go find out from the city um, which kind of groups are out there or uh, associations that can foster that. Like I said, in the technology one, you had the BC Technology Institute uh, and then or BCTIA, yeah. So if you go to them, meet the president, and they all, a lot of them have the open doors and you can tell them what you're doing, they can start getting you connected. So I think that'd be definitely step one. Uh, step two is some, a philosophy I have really anywhere is that I believe every, anybody's reachable. And if you're just passionate and you throw a nice kind of line to somebody and ask some of these entrepreneurs are out there. They'll respond. Uh, I remember, I mean, you've interviewed them. I remember 
when we were doing our digital media company uh, back in 2012, 2011, 2012, Story Panda. And uh, I reached out to Terry McBride from Network Records because he was one of the bigger media people in Vancouver. I liked his philosophy. I read stuff on him, emailed him, messaged him, and he said, yeah, let's grab a coffee. And, uh, you know, we met a few times and he gave me some tips and that was really helpful. So I think that's that's one of the things is uh, find out who some of the leaders are in your space there and just drop them a line uh, and just really casual type of thing. Yeah, he was great. He came onto the show and was a fabulous guest and uh, looking forward to having him again sometime. Okay, let's talk about uh, your routine. What does the first hour look like for you when you get up in the morning? Do you have a specific routine or a ritual that helps you get motivated to start your day? Yeah, so totally. The first thing is um, wake up and make my bed. It was something that uh, Tim Ferriss had written about, start, start by winning the day. And he was like, even the simplest thing, you don't have to make the bed perfect. But if you can get up and just put your pillows down, put the bed over it so it looks nice, you won the day already because you started off on a good track. And so that's something I've actually instilled in my kids and told them to start off by winning the day. Uh, from there, I've got uh, to go to the gym right in the morning. I'm, an early, if I'm not one of the ones that likes to go end of the day. I'll probably usually talk myself out of it if I don't do it right in the morning. So uh, I got to go in the morning and it's less about being fit. It's more for just a level of balance for the rest of the day because I've tried yoga. I've tried meditating. I just, just doesn't work for me. But if I go to the gym for an hour and get it all out, listen to some music, um, at the gym, I'm not the type that I want people coming up to talk to me. It's not out of rudeness or anything. Uh, the gym people want to ask how you're doing. I was like, just leave me alone for the next hour just so I can kind of be alone, have my headphones on get that in, and then I'm ready for the rest of the day. So that's how my mornings usually are. Do you think entrepreneurs have to be weird or unique in a positive way or are wired differently? Depends on the def- the degree of entrepreneur. So, you know, if you're an entrepreneur that, hey, I just want to start, you know, kind of like a coffee shop, have fun, or a small lifestyle business that's kind of can get going and enjoy it, I don't think you need to. You can just replace your job, like, and you can have a good way. I think if you're the type of entrepreneur who's trying to build scalable business, hit some really big goals or, or personal achievement, yeah, you have to be, you have to be wired a different way. It's just nothing else. It's it's illogical. It's sadistic to a point. Um, you know, it beats you down. It's a grind. So you just have to basically be the type that's willing to suffer and keep going through that. And have 100% belief that you're going to be right compared to any logical thing that anybody says to you. So if you are, you know, when people talk about they all want to be Elon Musk or, you know, Steve Jobs and, you know, these great entrepreneurs that they hear or, or great leaders, they don't realize the grind and the taxing effort it takes in these guys' mentality to get to that level. So the only way you can do it is to be just wired in a sick way, almost. It'd be almost like... Yeah, it's a good way to put it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's funny because that's where that question kind of stems from because I was reading an article one time and Elon Musk's mother said he was always a little weird. So that's uh, where that's come from. I think that's... I think what you said there is correct. It's like you've just got to accept it at one point. And that's what I did was just I'm different. I can't explain it to people can't explain it to the family, not that. And I just started saying, I'm just accept this is how I am and who I am. And if 
you guys don't understand that's not my problem or issue. I have to do this and it's going to work. Yeah. Okay. What books are you reading now and why are even audiobooks? And can you recommend any books for our listeners who are also aspiring entrepreneurs? It's, so I like to do a mix of books and podcasts. So, and my books usually, I don't, I don't usually do business books. I just find that there's just way too much business material out there in the media uh, that you can just get these quick hits that everybody says, you know, if you read fast company, uh, you know, venture beat man, things like that. And they're always having these tips. So I try to read more roundabout type of books. So the one that actually personally that helped a lot was uh, a combo of books from Peter Demendis. Uh, it was called abundance and bold. So Peter Demendis is the one who created the X prize and his two book combo of abundance is bold is all about these ventures of going 10 X like, you know, reaching for the, basically reaching for the moon and what kind of technologies and where the world's going, where, you can do this work and be really beneficial. Like, you know, whether they're doing space mining or how virtual reality and how you can solve certain problems around the world with certain technologies and where it's going. So that I recommend that as a good combo. Um, me personally, I'm into just different types of things. Like one book I read was the mathematical universe, which really breaks down physics and how math controls the entire universe and, you know, starts playing into things of, do we actually have free will or freedom of choice or not because of physics? And um, the other one is, uh, I mean, I was, uh, the other book recently read was Return of the King, which was the LeBron James coming back to Cleveland and that season that they won the championship. And you learn about, you know, how to manage different eagles when they come into different places, how people from a different, the coach came from a different, country he was american but spent like 15 years in israel and europe coaching came back to the u.s and his ego wasn't really managing what everybody else was expecting and just learn kind of the teamwork and the struggles that whether it's you know so i try to take life lessons from different types of book of whether it's sports or a scientist and what they learn about life and how that can apply to my own what, so on, what online or offline tools do you use on a daily basis Myself is to keep everything in control, a lot of messenger apps. So the, one of the things that's really big in, uh, especially when you start doing business in Asia, is email. Sometimes it's too slow. It's easier to just do a whole conversation and get something done just through whether we're using uh, WeChat or WhatsApp or Signal. So the three big messaging apps. That's a big one. Uh, internally with the company, we use uh, Slack as a good communication tool. And then for myself, uh, I'm a big user of Evernote just because you can quickly write down these notes and ideas or jot down things, take pictures that you need for later on, and they're easily accessible. Okay. Now, how do you balance work and how do you relax and not even think about work? And what are your favorite activities to do in BC? Do you ski? Do you bike, kayak, golf, hike, or simply go for a drive? So the balancing is now that, you know, we've uh, raised enough capital that we can see through this uh, project that we're doing for the next few years, that takes a lot of the stress off. So then you do have some of that more time to actually sit there and relax. Uh, so for me, I do snowboard. Uh, you know, that's one of the best things about Vancouver that, you know, you go around the world and, it's, you know, people talk about going these long distances to ski and snowboard and 
you know, Whistler Blackcomb is still probably one of the top three resorts in the entire world. And it's literally, what, an hour and 20 minutes drive now from from where I lived in New West. So that that's really helpful for me is also like to play some sports, you know, play some basketball with some friends. And then the other relaxing thing is with my kids. So I've got three. We always, on Sundays, we always like to do something in the core part of the city. So that was whether it was going to Grenville Island, going to the art gallery, going to Science World, something where we can all, a relaxing environment, where we can all kind of learn something at the same time. And uh, those are great places to hang out. Okay. Main Street. Yeah. On Sundays. Yeah, there's a lot of things you can do in the city. And it doesn't necessarily need to be spectacular weather. So you just got to find out what uh, you want to do, especially with the kids. I mean, there's a lot of things to do in Grandville Island. Yeah. Okay. If you weren't doing what you do now, what would you like to do for a profession? For myself, it would be, I'd like to do a creative design studio. So that'd be, uh, you know, whether you're designing graphics uh, or certain ideas around businesses, you know, clothing. So uh, a design studio is great because it just gives you such flexibility to do some really cool things. And you've seen some designers who might have come from just traditional graphic design venture into so many new things, uh, specific street artists. Like if you look at somebody like Shepard Ferry, who's doing, you know, graphics and logos and T-shirts, you know, started a T-shirt company. Now he's designing, you know, political statements and art galleries. Uh, So that's really cool and creative. And you can still kind of balance entrepreneurism, business, creativity all in one. Um, Another one would be eventually you want to do is, you know, a a fund for impact ideas. So kind of like that Peter Demendis, Ray Kurzweil model of, you know, technology for good and solve some of these world problems that we have. What kind of a job would you not like to do? Couldn't do it. You know what? I look at uh, all the respect to my dad and uncles who came. So, you know, my, my, my parents and my uncles and family moved here from, moved to Vancouver from India. And when they had to work, they just had to do stuff that to get them jobs. And, you know, they did, they drove cabs, uh, uh, you know, uh, was my dad was a bus driver and that, that type of to me everything after that is easy like seeing that you know somebody wake up super early and do that same job every day uh that grind of it and day in day out for years and years and to me that's the hardest thing in the world so after seeing you know immigrants and my dad go through that i'm like i could never ever do that that's just so much respect for the people who did that with basically little choice and that was just something they had to do so uh, I would never want to do that. In business, what is your favorite word, quote, or sentence that you like to use? For me, it's uh, it would really go down to the you know if you're really locked. It's from The Alchemist, and the whole thing is if you're on your right path, the world's going to conspire in your favor. So with that, it just makes you think about okay think positive, meet the right people. And if you give that out, like I said, the world will conspire. Just like it'll, if you think the other way, it'll conspire against you. But most often, if you do the right way, it'll conspire in your favor. And I've seen that happen over and over again over the past couple of years that all these things led to where I wanted to go. So drawing back to that first example, of we think about going to Asia, want to check it out, and then all of a sudden Bill Tam gets us into the, you know, the trade mission of Canada, to go on a trip to Singapore and Malaysia, which was the areas that we wanted to check out. So that conspired in our favor. 
So no matter what happens in, uh, you know, if you, when you have those downtimes, I just look at everything as just a stress test on the system and see if I can get through that and see what will emerge out, out of that. What is your least favorite word or sentence you don't like to hear? Well, it's probably the same thing that most uh, entrepreneurs or in the, you know, high tech startups or anything like to, don't like to hear is you can't do that. Like it's not possible. Okay. If you had to pick one or two words to describe yourself, what would it be and why? I would say persistence um, because I just won't quit. It, I think it comes back from running track and field when I was a, a kid uh, all through my high school years and university where it's just a grind. And, you know, you just got to get through it and persist to make sure it happens. Uh, so that would be one. And then the other one, I guess, would be a sponge uh, because I just I'll just take any topic and try to absorb it and read it and take what I can and apply in different ways. Like, so for example, over the last few years, I just got into astrophysics just because it sounded fun and neat. And so I would just kind of obsess over it, listen to podcasts, read certain books, and just see what I could take from that. So those would be the two. What keeps you up at night, if anything? Um, now it is, it would be, I guess, a where before you're always stressed a lot of the times uh, when you're starting to get to that next level of your business, so you're wondering about survival. Now it's uh, more about the excitement of, okay, what are we going to try next? Uh, what kind of problem are we going to solve? Um, and then uh, you're almost excited to get going the, really the next day. So sometimes it's kind of hard to would be to go to sleep around that because you got you got a bunch of ideas that you want to try out and want to keep moving things moving forward. Okay, I want you to give us the top three things on your Inspired Life list. This could be a bucket list of any sort. It could be if you want to write a book, TEDx talk, you want to travel more, philanthropy, anything like that? Uh, one is, and a lot of my friends here, they've said it, I could bring it up all the time. Uh, I'm not really into materialistic things like cars or nothing. I'm pretty much a minimalist of things I need. But my one is want to get a home in Barcelona. I uh, went there a couple of years ago, thought it was a fantastic place, and it'd be, hey, that'd be really cool to hang out there and just eat tapas and have nice weather and beaches all the time. Uh, look like a really cool, relaxing environment. Second one would be, I'd love to have one of my kids actually finish at UCLA. Like I said, I only went there for one year. Uh, it became a cost issue because I was only on a partial scholarship. So it'd be really cool if, uh, if one of my kids decide not go all into, let's say, entrepreneurism or something else, who knows where the world's going, if they go to university, one of them actually go to UCLA. It's a fantastic school, and they could just finish off what I started. And then uh, the third one is something I touched on earlier is would to start that social venture fund uh, for much later on, where, you know, as an entrepreneur, I'm sure you've heard this, Robert, everybody's got all these ideas. They want to do all these things, but you can't. So the best way to do it is once you accomplish some of your personal entrepreneurial goals of a single business is to start a fund where you can do more of these uh impact ventures and things that and and run with a lot of the ideas that you might have in your head and it's really good to do that once you've proven yourself out in one area okay do you have any advice that you may have received that you can pass on to entrepreneurs throughout bc i think the best one is it was from uh peter bonner who was he was uh one of vancouver's bigger restaurant entrepreneurs they're the ones who 
created Milestones, Boathouse, Bread Garden, um, and then, uh, you know, all through the 70s, 80s, 90s. So I worked for him about 15 years ago, right after university. And uh, even a couple years ago, he told me, he said, you're never, nothing's ever going to be the right time. So, you know, when you talk to somebody and they're like, I want to start this business, but I'm just waiting for the right time. He said, it's never going to exist. There's never going to be the perfect time to do anything. And you may as well just go. And when I was thinking about moving out to Singapore and Asia and get this thing going, he was the one when I was talking to him. And most people were saying, why this and that? He never said why. He said, you know what? Get out of here. Just go. Just pack up. Get your stuff. No excuses. Just get over there. It'll all work out. So I kind of apply that to everything. Great. Okay, Pavel, you ready to have some fun? Yes, I am. Great. Okay. As you know, entrepreneurs are very, very, very busy people like you traveling all the time. You've got clients, you've got people to report to, you've got people reporting to you. This is very, very busy. You're always connected. We're going to take you away from all that. There's a small tropical island just off of Fiji that only has one phone booth there where there is no internet. This place does exist. We're going to drop you off there. You won't have a computer or a smartphone or a tablet. You can use the phone booth located there anytime to call the boat. We'll come pick you up. How long would you last before you made that call? And what would you do while you were there? So you can do that one call and they can come get you to say, hey, come right now and grab me. Well, you can use the phone booth whenever you want. I mean, it's just, you know, if you can use it. You know, there's not one call. It's really just, it's there. It's just so it's a safety net to use whenever you want. Oh, so I can call anywhere? Yeah, you can call anywhere. It's, it's just if, if a regular everyday phone booth. Uh, I think personally, I could probably last a week. Um, I would like to probably, you know, explore explore the island, uh, different areas, see see what it's all about. Um, keep myself busy, probably by, like I said, just the exploration aspect of it uh, all around. But I'm the type that if I go on vacation in a place <laughs> like uh, a beach vacation, I can usually last only like tops is a week and that's even with a resort vacation on a beach uh um i just love city life design and architecture so i would take a week hanging out in uh, tokyo or mumbai uh in a crazy place going on uh you know like i said pandemonium in mumbai over what i believe would be relaxing on uh, on a beach so i think it would be once that exp- exploration part happened and kind of saw everything once and said okay this is neat uh, then I'd probably call, jump on the phone and call the boat and say, okay, okay i got to go somewhere else now. Okay. How can our listeners get hold of you? Is there anything you'd like to add before you leave us today? Uh, best way to get hold of me is uh, if people just want to talk and chat or just drop a line. Uh, hey, they can, I'm, my email is always open. So pavel at bluzel.com, B-L-U-Z-E-L-L-E.com. Or Pavel Baines, P-A-V-E-L-B-A-I-N-S on Twitter is usually good. And I think the biggest thing for listeners, specifically people in Vancouver, is uh, think outside of Vancouver. Uh, lots of creative ideas in Vancouver. Uh, lots of brain power. And I think that brain power can be exported on a global scale um, uh, uh, very rapidly. And Vancouver is, people in Vancouver and Canada are well-respected throughout the world. Uh, people have high regard for Canadians, and I think it's a time for people to start using that uh, to think beyond the borders of Canada and Vancouver. 
Great. Okay, Pavel, thanks for coming on the show. I've learned a lot about you, and I'm sure listeners have as well. Well, thanks, Robert, and I'm glad to be part of this, and great job on putting these podcast series together. Well, thank you very much. Great. Okay, we'll see you next time. See ya. Hey there. Thanks for taking the time today to listen to Vancouver's podcast on the Canada's Podcast Network. We hope you enjoyed the show today. Make sure you sign up for our newsletters and write a review for us on iTunes, and then connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Canada's Podcast. You can also check out what other entrepreneurs are doing across the country. See you next time.